Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today's another day for a cool interview, and I have got a fellow traveler with me, Kemi Eames, who is out there, like me, to make this world just a little bit of a better place, and her focus is what is closest to my heart, is sobriety, and how to get there, and she's helping shitloads of people out there and so we need people like Kemi so much so Kemi thank you very very much for coming onto my show thank you so much Stefan for having me on I'm super excited to be here thank you <laughs> oh it's beautiful so Kemi it is uh it is lovely to meet you and it is I'm quite excited to explore your story because the story always starts with the hero coming to a point where there is a choice to be made. And mm -hmm. it's that actively making the choice which makes the hero film, the hero journey, so exciting. It is every hero, every film that you watch that, that gets you is the hero might right. be initially quite reluctant, but then finally he says, enough is enough and that's when the yes. quest begins exactly how did and what was the cami like that said no nah, i'm quite comfortable i'm quite happy how did that go for you <laughs> <laughs> well the cami that i honestly step on my i drank for 30 years okay i i currently live in new orleans i've lived here for 26 years and I never pictured my life without alcohol. I never could imagine it. Even though I had hit so many rock bottoms before, it still was never enough to quit. It was only when I decided that I deserve better in my life. And I decided to... Um, get my training with life coaching through Martha Beth was when I said enough is enough. So when I decided to quit, I, I wasn't rock bottom at all because I had been to, to so many rock bottoms and that didn't <laughs> propel me to quit. But when I decided to quit was when I wanted better for myself. Which is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I li I live miles, miles away from New Orleans. And the only thing I've got to maybe know a little bit about it is sort of your tourist brochures and, and right. CSI New Orleans. And right. it, it seems to be that, that the party is going in New Orleans all the time. And with party, oh, yeah. unfortunately, comes alcohol. So is the picture that I have got in my mind realistic? So people indeed uh, everywhere playing the saxophone and playing the, the instruments and uh, having one picture after the other of oh, yummy things. Actually, it is. In the French Quarter, and I lived in the Quarter for about 15 years. Yes, you can walk down any street. You hear jazz music. Bars are 24-7. Right. So you would walk into a bar at night and leave the next morning or the next afternoon <laughs> you'd walk in it'd be dark you'd walk out it's daylight yeah <laughs> so that was yep. my life for many many years mm. just in dark bars <laughs> and it is a beautiful haze i mean i remember being in the scene in Heidelberg and we would you know, go out, then at some stage we would hit a nightclub, then one of the bar owners that we knew would say, hey, come on, we go back to my bar, which was by now closed. So he would get us in a back entrance and put everything back on and said, come on, everyone throw a tenor over the bar and the drinks are now, you know, just flowing. And right. you know, we had good times, bloody good times. Yeah. Typically, you can't remember the end of it. Um, and the next right. day, you don't even want to talk about hangover because that is that that is a new a new generation of hangovers. But like oh, you, yeah. that was that was my life as well. Right. Bloody hell! Bloody hell! But in all <laughs> fairness, 
these were actually times that I would say were actually not so bad. That was still a time when I actually enjoyed alcohol. There was, yeah, the hangovers were, were there, but I was still young and I was still able to function in a far better way than I would be later on. So right. it is it is one thing to still have a few benefits from the alcohol, losing your shyness, losing your inhibition, uh, losing whatever is negative, the, the kind of uh, effects when sort of the second and third class hits you. Sort of there, yes. there are the advantages at some stage in your life. Well, it's intriguing that you tell me that there were already rock bottoms there and yet you Correct. still kept going. I still kept going. I still kept going uh-huh. because I didn't know any other way to live. I felt, I really felt like, you know, you just get trapped in your own thinking and you don't realize that there's other possibilities for you. You know what I mean? Like you just think this is it. This is my life. This is, this is how I'm going to be. And you just don't, I, I couldn't see another future. And of course, we meet other people who are exactly the same. So we oh, yeah. alcoholics, we actually try to, to be in our tribe of other alcoholics. So instinctively, then when we look around, it all is normal. It is, hey, look, he's vomiting over the corner. <laughs> See, that's normal. Oh, yeah. It's normal that you, okay. So you can just keep drinking. and, and We normalize it so much. Is it not? Yeah. Is it not? No, that is, wow, that is, yeah, we both have been in the same frame of mind and the same, um, yeah, life without limits as far as the alcohol was concerned. Did you ever do the maths? Did you ever figure out how much you spent on alcohol? Oh, God. You know what? I have not, <laughs> and that would be interesting to figure yeah. that out. It yeah. would be, dep- <laughs> it'd be shocking. Yeah. For me, <laughs> yes. it was uh, conservatively quarter of a million uh, of just uh, oh, money wow. for alcohol, and because a bottle of wine is here fifteen dollars, um, right. uh, something decent to drink. And I at least didn't want to have the, the Chateau de la Migraine, um, the worst of the worst. So I, I made sure I drink something that I had a chance of not so bad hangover. But yeah, two bottles of wine is a minimum. So that was $30 a day. Um, right. Then I migrated to vodka. Well, a, a bottle of vodka on special offer, a liter bottle is uh, $32 thereabouts. Um, so it has all conservative figures. So, because wow. then, uh, yeah, by the time you added it up, wow, it's a whole house that I could yeah. afford just with just there, cash, no mortgage. There, just take it, now right. give me the house. Had I not been drinking, and that's without it's compound crazy. interest and etc. So, oh amazing. So, you it's guys crazy. out there, exactly, you guys out there, if you're still <laughs> sort of enjoying a class, then uh, please don't, don't get too upset if there's not too much money left at the end of the month. <laughs> or that there's too much month uh, left at the end of the money. Um, because, you know, uh, let's, you know, mirror in front of your face. Hmm? Right. <laughs> so, okay, so it was not the money that triggered you, and it was not another rock bottom. So what the hell it wasn't. Was, the, was the catalyst? What, what well, made okay. you change your mind? So the moment that I said enough was enough was I was in Tismo Beach, California. I actually wrote a blog post about this called the glass of wine, the one glass of wine I did not finish. (laughs) And so I'm there with my boyfriend. We are at a, a meet and greet for my life coaching cohort. And at that, you know, I always drank at dinner. Of course, I always drank anyway, but I always drank a glass of wine at dinner. And so I ordered a glass of red wine. And it had been a very emotional weekend anyway, you know, with seeing everybody I was in training with and so forth. 
and I took a sip and it was weird. It was just like, it just didn't go down right. And I looked around and I said, do you really want to do this, Cammy? Because one glass was never enough. One glass leads to 10 with me. I, I was a binger. I was a binge drinker. And that's when I said, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. And I got back to New Orleans and it was, it was kind of slow. I, so I did indulge a couple of times when I got back to New Orleans, but then slowly, but surely I just, I just no longer desired it anymore. I replaced, I feel like we're all looking for feelings, right? For certain, for something to make us feel a certain way. So, mm -hmm. and that's why you drink or that's why you do whatever you do, right? I learned how to replace what I needed inside of me and not look for something external like alcohol. <laughs> and that is the most powerful way forward. Once you actually create a life that is so beautiful that alcohol really literally interferes with you experiencing the joy of your new life. That's exactly yes. how I am right now. It is, uh, it is, yes, there's always the temptation to drink, but to then have the next day a day of hangover that will not subside until the evening, that's a whole day gone. A whole day. Please, you. Have you ever thought of how many days you've wasted, like hung over, <laughs> or years <laughs> that turned into mm. years? Yeah. Make that quarter that's, of a century, okay? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, that's about right, actually. That's about right. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll make it 20 years, okay? I was, I'm, I'm, I'm clean and sober now, seven years. So therefore, I need to give myself a little bit of credit, but I, uh, it was a long time. It was a long time where alcohol was defining my life. And I defined myself as someone who has got a good social life, who has got a place where uh, there is never no alcohol. And I, I, I wore it as a badge of honor. Yeah, there's always a drink at home here. Um, unless, of course, it's three o'clock in the morning and I've actually emptied every single bottle in the house and I'm crawling around the garage trying to think, is there any more hidden supply of vodka that I've got put away just for such cases? Um, you know, and it's just... Mm, mm. Well, that never happens in New Orleans because they deliver alcohol 24 hours a day. We would call like at four in the morning and get delivery of vodka. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever else we needed. Um, yeah. I must so. say that I was maybe a little bit on the lucky side. Then. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, uh, it is only because there are limitations to the access of alcohol. Uh, no. If you look at the UK where there is a cutoff line uh, in pubs, etc. No, no. The, the drinking is just as hazardous and as brutal and with all the consequences on the individual level as well as on societal level. So no, no, it is not about, it's not about accessibility. Um, although some people, of course, now would disagree with COVID-19 if you're stuck somewhere in a quarantine and suddenly for two weeks, like in New Zealand, and the, the people in the hotel where you're stuck uh, decide, no, you do not get any alcohol, I'm sorry, for two weeks, because we can't have you being uh, potentially COVID-19 positive and then rampaging right. through the hotel. So sorry, alcohol is no. And it's the same with yeah. South Africa, uh, where they suddenly say, nope, sorry, it's, if you're pissed, you are not socially distancing. So no more alcohol right. for you guys. And you can imagine where that goes. Bloody hell. Yeah. That, anyhow, anyhow. So this was our old life. Yeah. Enough reminiscing. Um, enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Because sort of, you know, at least I'm, I'm no longer feeling the guilt and the shame that I felt then. At least I'm no longer. I can now just just talk about it and just 
mildly shake my head and think, oh, I mean, I just, don't you feel so much more free? I just feel so free now. Like the more I live my life with intention and accountability and responsibility, I just feel so free instead of letting alcohol run everything. (laughs) And I was on autopilot all the time. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, please. So there we are. We, we changed our thinking. And in all fairness, you seem to have the insight or seem to have had the insight on that pivotal moment, that meeting, that weekend there. For me, I needed someone to step in. And for me, it was my wife who organized a stint in rehab behind my back. So I was then in rehab where I got introduced to how to deal with my emotions. I got introduced to sober fun, to mm-hmm. just talking honestly about what is going on. I was taught again the importance of looking after myself, of self-love, of these things. And that was a very, very, very foreign concept to me. Because by now oh, yeah. I was so full of guilt and shame and embarrassment and mm-hmm. all these kind of things, which then kept me drinking. And exactly, it is, it's a cycle, isn't yeah. it? So, I mean, that is when I got introduced to a lot of important techniques. Now, you were you were trying to become a life coach whilst you were still drinking quite heavily, so you were introduced already at that time to certain insights, et cetera. So I guess to a, to a degree, you had already done the work that then in your brain flicked a switch where you said, come on, Cammy, really? So you, you've been exactly. talking the talk, but look how you walk. You can't even walk, you stumble. So <laughs> Yeah, fall down, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's interesting to see that you settled the horse from behind. Um, or I did, however you look at it, that is right. a different story. But the key message was that we had suddenly an insight and there were suddenly people around us to teach us and to help us. So you had chosen that. <laughs> I was chosen to get the help. And to get the help, yeah. However it works, it doesn't matter as long as you you get to meet the people who can make a difference for you. I agree. I agree, yeah. Um, When you started your life coaching, most people don't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, I fancy becoming a life coach. (laughs) There's always a little bit more to the story. So (laughs) (laughs) may I ask, may I I scratch a bit away the the paint here and actually say, well, what, what drove you to become a life coach? So I had just left my husband. Um, I, I have a daughter. So I decided he actually was drinking more than me, which is crazy. Okay. <laughs> which is Don't crazy. Comment. Don't comment. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean... Yeah. So I was like, anyway, so I left him and decided to go back to school and I wanted to get my master's degree in either psychology or social work. So I took some classes at Tulane University and then I was seeing a therapist at the time. And she was like, have you ever thought about being a life coach? And she hooked me up with a life coach that lives in New Orleans and I became friends with her. And then that became my journey. I started researching it and I said, you know what? This is more my style. You know, this is more my style. So I decided to go move forward with it and take the training. And here I am. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Which is brilliant. It is so something was already deep inside you saying, hey, enough is enough. I want to learn more about how to live a life that 
is not crushing me into a little ball of desperation and, and hopelessness, but rather... Yeah, and even, even when I was drinking, I always, deep, deep down, I wanted more. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was a late bloomer. I always knew I was a late bloomer and I wasn't going to do anything till much later in my life. I just had this feeling. And yeah, so... See, I was I was a go-getter forever. And but even in my darkest hours, I mean, there is not a Tony Robbins CD I had not listened to. There is not any of the, the big self-improvement coaches whose book I have not had on my shelf. And obviously I was searching as well, but the, the grip of alcohol on me was so much stronger than the conscious efforts to develop myself into a being worth calling a human. So mm -hmm. it is, uh, the alcohol is an incredibly, incredibly powerful thing. And I don't know how to call it. It is so much more than just a liquid with some molecules in there. It becomes a demon. It becomes a, a, a living living thing that reinvents itself and and tries to tease you all the time it is like a like a like a oh it's an entity it's living breathing it's yeah it is um, it is it's it's alcohol is always more than alcohol you know it it always represents or symbolizes more than alcohol like in in each of our lives that's what I, one of my clients we were talking and I said, what does alcohol represent to you? And for her it represented freedom and independence. So, so it always represents something mm. for each of us. Mm. Yeah. And you can, you can go back. It's uh, so the alcohol is, is today something that is so much out there. If you go back several generations, you had women starting to smoke and you would have given them, for them it was equally a sign of breaking the, the glass ceilings, of, of mm -hmm. going out there and becoming the new you, redefining themselves. Uh, and so here you are. So, it, and it, so we've got the cigarettes, we've got the alcohol, and the same applies to, to other lifestyles that people choose there's always some good reason why that is now most of the time i would think it is trauma that causes us to drink but sometimes there are other there are secondary gains there uh gains of yeah, i always I've, i always keep saying for example the smoko um if you were to say in your working life oh well i'm actually a little bit tired now i think i would like to take five minutes and have a glass of water People would look at you, let's say, in an engineer shop or so, but come on, you pussy, what's going on here? Um, and if you were to say, well, actually, I need a smoke or now, everyone would drop their tools. I come with you. <laughs> and right. So, so here you go. So it's it's that kind of social engineering that oh, definitely. Uh, is so out there. And that's that's the other thing I wanted to, to talk to you. You described a beautiful, beautiful point in in when we sort of prepared for this interview you were talking about the concept of self-love and sobriety being radical in western society what yes. do you mean with that with the way society is structured um learning or or embracing love within yourself and learning to love yourself. I feel like in, in Western society, we are taught to compare ourselves to others all the time, to compete, to what does your inner voice say? Most of the time, mine <laughs> says some pretty bad things about me, right? <laughs> I mean, well, this was before, you know, it's like negative thoughts about yourself all the time. Also, as far as sobriety goes, why is it looked on as something unusual if you say you don't want to drink? And it is. 
you go somewhere and you turn down a drink, people look at you like you're crazy. Is that still now? It, 80s, 90s, no doubt, even early 2000s. No. But is certainly still in New Orleans society? And it's, uh, we need to yes. say, we need to be careful yes. here because obviously we are talking about one bubble of experience. And Correct. so you are living in New Orleans, a large town, a large metropolis really, isn't it? And uh, in which a certain lifestyle is cherished. People go there to have that experience. So right. maybe that is a little bit skewed in the expectations. But do you think that this kind of uh nearly sober shaming that that is reflective also of the whole of the american society i do i mm. do yeah this is and and indeed then you, the next step of course is to, to say well america is america with quite a unique set of problems and uh issues let's let's stay keep that very broad um, could, to compare that with Germany or to compare that with the UK or New Zealand is probably a bit more challenging. Yet, I actually agree with you that there is a certain tendency there to still hide and the amount of shame, guilt, etc. that is out there is huge. It's not for nothing that we here in New Zealand have one of the highest youth suicide rates in the OECD. It is not for nothing that there are so many men in particular uh, who, are, who are affected with mental health problems here. Because we are a very, very sportive culture. We are a, a masculine culture, a, mm -hmm. you know, hey bro, yeah, that kind of culture. And it goes right. to every level of our society. Um, so it is, it is difficult to open up. And I guess that's 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 why I'm doing these these podcasts and and YouTube videos, because it is so important. It's so liberating once you have spoken up and spoken out that you are in trouble, and it's so right. humbling to then see others who often you wouldn't have thought that they would be the kind step up to the plate and come out and are there to give you just the time of the day and to say, "Shall we have a coffee?" Come on, tell me what's going right. on. And this is so mind-blowing when that happens. It's so beautiful. Yes. Ah, mm. No, amazing. So radical, radical self-love. What do you do about it? Be so, for instance, we take care of the things we love, right? So think when you were drinking. I mean, there... There's no way you could love yourself. I mean, there's no way I loved myself when I was drinking that much or respected myself, right? I mean, I had to, and the funny thing is, you have it all inside of you. You just have to dig down, get rid of the walls, get rid of the barriers and get to it. And it's an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. <laughs> Um, and I am very aware now of my thoughts, of how I'm thinking about myself. I try to be very compassionate with myself now. And gosh, I mean, I was my own worst enemy, Stefan. Yeah, I was my own worst enemy. It's weird to see your lips moving, yet my words are coming out. And so, same here, same here. It is yeah. the amount of the amount of negativity, but and it it doesn't stop when you when you stop drinking. I think that is a pitfall of all of us in in modern day society. I think that trying to keep up with the Joneses, uh, that right. cliche is is so ingrained with us that we need to look a certain way. It doesn't matter how old you are, you need to be in the gym. It doesn't matter what you feel like, you need to have kale with some, with some certain other superfood. And if you don't have that, if you have a piece of cake, you better go into the corner, you shame, you, you, you failure, you. And it is that kind of 
thoughts and if you think about it when was the last time anyone really said to you stefan you are a failure no one really has said that to me for a very 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 long yeah. time i'm a go-getter i'm an achiever so yet i define myself as a failure and now listen to that sentence again i define myself Self. as a failure where the hell is that coming from why are we yeah. focusing on this bloody negative um it is it is and it these thoughts are out there if i could just somehow switch a button and get rid of these thoughts that would be beautiful but i can't yesterday right. i had a, a quite a dark day for a number of reasons and it the amount an onslaught of negative negative thoughts i could only see negative the whole day and it was brutal and it took a lot of work by myself to step out of myself realize mm -hmm. what's going on put the camera up there and sort of think really What, what, what's going on here and analyze why do i feel so bad now there were external reasons right. bloody well yes but most of it was going on in there so exactly. i i was my worst enemy yesterday and it was brutal but then again it is i accepted it for what it was and you just have to roll with the punches uh, you try not to make the make decisions in those states of emotions in those in those when you're so dark down you just need to accept hang on today you're not your best and right. yeah it was hard it was really 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 hard guys and here i am seven years sober here i am yeah. speaking to all these beautiful people out there i mean for christ's sake every time i do an interview i've got an hour of therapy You know, it, yeah. you can't be more active in your recovery than I am currently. Uh, yet, there are still those times when my mind is just playing dirty tricks on me. And alcohol right. is nowhere to be seen. And it's still playing dirty tricks. So here yeah. you go. Kemi, there must be days like that for you too. What do you do? Oh, what are definitely. Your, or what do you tell I... your, your clients? What? How do you go about that? So on the days, and I have been feeling down lately, I, I notice that every time I try to, um, if I'm doing something like kind of up-leveling a little bit in my business, that's when the, <laughs> the inner voice, the inner mean girl comes out. And she's like, what are you doing? You can't do this. Yeah. I mean, imposter syndrome all the way. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's exactly. And um, and this is the thing. You just have to. I I have to stop it. I have to nip it. <laughs> what I'm thinking, and I have to. I find journaling really, really helps me to get all of this onto paper. <laughs> Just journal it out, all those thoughts, look at it, tear it up, throw it away. I, I, I would recommend not to throw them away because one day down the line, you will go back and look at what you wrote oh, and you yeah. think, oh my goodness, really? And because it's it, your your process of life is dynamic, the, the yeah. challenges change all the time, and you roll with the punches, or better, you 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 duck and weave to to block whatever is coming, and so you, I think it's well worthwhile the, the journaling. I couldn't agree more, because if you think about it, when is it really that you write or that you express emotions out loud? I give you an example. The way I was drinking, it would have been something along the lines of, oh, look what you did. Look what you did to me. I show you, you are. Oh, I will drink a whole bottle of vodka. I'll show you. <laughs> so if you actually spell it out, then you mm -hmm. hear the kind of bullshit that dribbles yeah. from your lips. Or when you write it down, suddenly you look at the sentence and you think, Hang on. 
So therefore, exactly, exactly. But you need to do that. And normally in our life, we don't take the time. We just respond on this subconscious level. Our reptilian brain just brings out these resentments, fears, weird things. And we just, then our brain starts to somehow make sense of that. You feel threatened. You're full of fear. And your brain thinks, oh, my God, oh, my God, there is something that kills us. Careful what you need. You, you, and suddenly there is this, this heightened level of, of adrenaline, of cortisol going mm-hmm. on, all the hormones washing over you. And then that triggers other emotions and so on. So it's actually an amazing, amazing thing that happens. The problem, of course, is there is no bear behind you that is just trying to take a bite out of you. And right. there is there is nothing there. It is basically all happening in your head. Head, yeah. So you can't just take off the head and or the top of the head and, and have a bit of light shining in. You need to express it in different ways. And journaling is so important there because it's the one time that you actually are honest with yourselves. And right. hand on your heart, guys. Yes, you have got your best friend. And yes, you have a good chat with your best friend. Do you really open up to your best friend about your deepest emotions inner, like that? Inner yeah. world? No, probably not, not to really. the degree that, that yeah. maybe might be of benefit. Although he or she may actually be in exactly the same boat. <laughs> it yeah. never tells you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I think all humans, we're all in the same, I mean, we're all in the same boat, (laughs) Mm. you know, that's the thing, but everyone thinks that they're the only one, (laughs) but we're all in the same boat. (laughs) So true. So true. Um, Okay. I heard um, Mm. Martha Beck said, your, your most personal experience is the most universal. And I always found that fascinating. So your most personal experience is actually universal. So everybody experience as a human, everybody experiences this. Um, like your internal, so yeah. <laughs> so true, Kemi. I couldn't agree more, actually. So guys out there, listen up. You're not alone. Okay. Yes, you've got some shitty days. And yes, your head is full of negativity. Welcome to the club. Uh, same here. Same with Cami. Same with every bloody life coach and psychologist and counselor you could ever meet. We're all in the same boat. We're all having this this kind of little devils on the shoulders that that just keep telling us how shit we are and how dare we actually try to be happy, as if happy and joy and 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 love is a bad thing how dare we you have not deserved to be happy and yeah even now that i spell it out like that you you catch yourself and think what why do i not deserve that uh oh because you don't um hang on um, i think you do <laughs> so yeah <laughs> Let's maybe maybe let's change our 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 attitude a little bit. Are there yes. are there tricks that you recommend to your clients to change their attitude to change that stinking thinking uh, into some different framework? Definitely, when to be aware, you if you don't realize there's a problem or you don't notice what's going on you can't really change it so be aware of your thoughts i also tell my clients movement dance i mean walking running i feel like it just shifts the whole energy you know like all this energy in your body around you it shifts it yeah that's a really good point exactly right for me i i've often find that moment of active gratitude very empowering mm-hmm. that i i did that yesterday yesterday morning driving to work and i was dark and gloomy and and i suddenly caught myself and thought hang on what's going on here 
And immediately I went into speaking out loud. I'm happy and grateful that, and then I had to think for a moment and then it came. So there was actually an active pause. Normally it all comes immediately there. But yesterday, because I was so gloomy, my brain was actually stuck in the same negative rut. So when I challenged it to say, I'm happy and grateful for, uh, or that, it had to think for a moment. And then suddenly my brain obeyed and it came out with things to be grateful for. And suddenly right. there was this, this counterweight there against the negative thoughts. And that was that was actually what then really helped me a bit. And then shortly thereafter, I arrived at work, started working, and it was a clinic day, so paperwork, basically. And I found myself, again, not being 100% there. I was not mindful. I was not present in the presence my mind was going back and forth into the future and everywhere where it shouldn't be and again I had to stop myself and again had to sort of step outside of myself right and see what are you doing here and one of my nurses came in and asked me something and uh I must have looked at that moment quite perplexed because I had been just outside here and she said are you all right and I just said look just seen this patient i've done all the right things the talking wise and i gave him really good care but i've forgotten to let him sign this and i I didn't do that and it was the little things where i thought that's so not me that's that's you know i'm normally meticulous and everything is done and dusted and ticked and here i did done paperwork wise i done two three mistakes and i just looked at my nose and said (laughs) today's not my day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she just smiled and took the mick out of me. And that was cool. Um, so, But it was that self-awareness. It was that yeah. stepping out of you and thinking, okay, you, this is a shit day. Uh, yeah, being the observer. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. And then once I had that warning shot in front of the bow to actually say, come on, pull up your socks. Um, then I stepped back and thought, okay, what's not right? Okay, you haven't drunk, so come on, glass of water, a rehydrate. You haven't had yet your breakfast yet. Come on, here you go, have some porridge. Uh, yeah. And look at the basic things right. Give your body what it needs. Give it the, the security. Get the basic level of your needs right so that you do not feel that at a subconscious level you have to fight for, for right. survival. Um, get all the basic shit right. And then you can work on your self-love. Then you can work on the higher right. levels. But it was the hierarchy of needs. Yeah, exactly. That, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, it is yeah. so powerful once you have figured it out. Yeah. And yeah. we often f- completely forget about the lowest level of this hierarchy of needs. Yeah, the basics. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. take care of the basics, guys. And if you don't know how to do that, well, have a look at my book, My Steps to Sobriety, because in there I've got uh, a large section on the micro habits. And in the framework of AA, it would be sort of the, the step seven, where you sort of start to to do amazing things where you start where you figured out why you do things and now you're moving on towards sort of uh, steps five six and seven where you change your habits where you make the magic happen where you lay the foundations for your future life now there are shitloads of action plans in my book that will help you so if you don't know where to start uh, there are far worse places than there in my book Otherwise, they'll look around because there are people around you who have been there, done that, and now live a different life. Learn from them. And, you know, here we have got Cammy, just, just, you know, as she is, she is a life coach. She makes a living helping people get out of that rut of alcohol dependency and helps them to build a life full of joy, full of passion. She redefines with you your vision, who you want to be. You know, it would not be such a bad idea to actually make contact with her. 
So <laughs> how does it work if, if people are uh, uh, triggered by this interview and they actually want to, to say hello and get in, in touch with you? How does it work? So my email is sobercoach at cameeams.com. So you can get in touch with me that way. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's so um, sober underscore Nola, sober Nola, cool. Instagram. Cool, cool, cool. Thank and you. And we're gonna put we're gonna put links to that uh, into the description of this video and of this podcast, so you can just simply click on that. Now, Kemi, I know that that you have got uh, some exciting exciting things out there. Um, in the sense of a teaching package and support packages there. Uh, tell me about one of these packages there, because this is, this is so necessary. People like you are so wonderful because you're literally changing lives. You're literally saving lives. But of course, that comes with a price because Kemi needs to eat something too. There <laughs> needs to be some bread and some butter on her table. So yes, there is some money exchange involved. Tell us a bit. So I have a four-week package and it is called Sobriety and Self-Love. And every week we're going to do a bundle on a different topic. You're going to get to work one-on-one -on -one with me. We're going to have other women in the group as well. So there's going to be a community, a lot of support, a lot of accountability. And I do want to mention that I am also starting a membership site, a sobriety membership site for women. And I hope to have that up and running in September. It's beautiful, beautiful. But what happens if, you have the odd Y chromosome floating around. <laughs> <laughs> so do you take on men as well? Um, I haven't had, I've had one male client. Mm. I, ha I mostly have, uh, it's weird. It's just like women are the ones that contact me. Yeah. I'm not against, I'm not against having male clients. Yeah. Uh, so. And it's it's hard, and that it only shows actually that we men have so much more work to do because self yeah. self love, and and just the sheer word self love is nearly something that you want to spit out as a man, right? Because that's that's ah, it's ah, not masculine. That? That's it doesn't right. sound masculine. That's exactly <laughs> so right, and it just yeah. shows. And please, there's absolutely nothing wrong that you focus on women. Because you guys are so complex. It is, women are just still, even after 54 years, they are still a miracle to me. So, so I leave them all to you. You can you just deal with them. So, so no, no, there's, I think you need to be one to know one kind of a thing. No, 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 Kemi, this is brilliant. So if there are any of you girls out there who are listening in and... and uh, our, our discussion today has triggered you to seek help. Um, I, there is always nowadays the possibility to actually link up with Kemi or other uh, life coaches out there. Uh, it is, of course, more handy if you have someone in your own surrounding, if you, if you can find someone there. And please, if, if, if Zoom is not for you, look around. You might be surprised yeah. who is out there uh, in your immediate surroundings. And I guess yes. come, up, come out of the shadows. Speak to your GP, speak to your family physician and say, look, I actually would like to change my life. You know, don't need to go too much into sorted details. If you're still still ridden by the, the evil twins of of, uh, of shame and guilt, um, you can just say, "Look, do you know someone who is specialising in addiction and alcohol?" Because I think I drink too much, and yeah. that wow, you might suddenly find that there are two, three, five people out there that you had no idea about because you never dared to right. ask. But guess what? Guess what, guys? 20 to 30% of the population is 
stuck with chemical addiction. It's yeah. huge. Every it's huge, third yeah. person around you is hooked, okay, mm-hmm. addicted. We're talking addiction. We're talking uh, doing anything to get what you need, doing uh, spending a lot of time of the day thinking about it, procuring it, using it, dealing with the aftermath of of whatever poison of choice you have. And I'm talking chemical addiction here. Yeah. I have not even touched upon the emotional addictions, that behavioral, the eating mm-hmm. disorders, all the other addictions right. that are essentially uh, very, very similar to a chemical mm-hmm. addiction. So, oh, guys, yeah. there's so much out there. You are not alone. <laughs> not by a stretch of the imagination. On the contrary, it's a very, very likely that the person that you look up to and think, wow, he really got his shit together. <laughs> Chances are, no, <laughs> no whatsoever. <laughs> okay, so come out of your shadows. Be honest. Yes. And begin that journey to find that self love which is one of the most beautiful, beautiful things you could possibly do. Kemi, I'm so grateful that you came today on, that you were so honest and and shared your your life story and and, uh, the darker bits of your past that you probably would not like so much to be aired out. But I'm so grateful that that you showed a humility and a backbone to to come out so to speak and be honest because it's it's a beautiful place to be where we can where we can look at our past and, and just shake our heads together and just laugh and it is yeah. so different than than when we were in that past oh yeah so different thank you so much and it was my pleasure <laughs> look after yourself Kemi and you guys out there make this day a day to remember make this day the day where you change your life just a little bit take that one step to alter your life to think actually uh, I have got some work to do let's do it you can do it guys you can do it go out there and carpe diem uh, live that day okay. yes. bye Bye.